You're listening to the Red Moon Radio Podcast, episode number three. Today we're talking to Travis Sargent, frontman of the Canadian band Betrayers. Red Moon Radio is a weekly podcast dedicated to garage and psychedelic rock, as well as good old-fashioned rock and roll. We bring you the best new music, introducing you to your new favorites, along with interviews with bands to watch. Red Moon Radio is produced every Monday and is available on Podomatic at redmoonradio.podomatic.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at redmoonradio1, on Facebook at facebook.com slash redmoonradio, or get in touch by email at redmoonradio2015 at gmail.com. Links are available in the show notes on our Podomatic page. Come back often and add us to your favorites. Now, let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, your host Aaron here. Welcome to the Red Moon Radio Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, thanks so much for joining us today. This is the third show for Red Moon Radio, and it also happens to be Canadian Thanksgiving. As a special treat, I'm extra excited for today's interview with Travis of Betrayers, a great Canadian band. The show's going to be amazing, so stick around for the interview. While you're here, you can also check out our first two episodes. The first with Michigan rocker Robbie Fisher, and last week's episode with Manchester, England's Stephen Evans of ZX+. Now let's get on with the show. As I mentioned, today we're speaking with Travis Sargent, the vocalist, guitarist, and all-around swell dude from the band Betrayers. Before we get to the interview, here's the opening track from their debut full-length, Let the Good Times Die a song called Spinning Wheel. i 
Betrayers describe themselves variously as a flowery psych or fuzz band, and both descriptions suit them well. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the band has been active for the last couple of years, releasing several 7-inch records as well as their full-length debut, Let the Good Times Die. In their short history, they've gained a committed audience of garage and psych fans in Canada and around the world. Their latest release, a split 7-inch with fellow Edmonton band The Lad Mags, with whom they also share a drummer, is called Tombstone Salesman. I caught up with Travis, the band's frontman, at home in Edmonton last week via Skype. Hey Travis, thanks so much for joining us today on Red Moon Radio. Of course, thank you for having me. Betrayers are one of my favorite bands, and you guys have been around for several years now and have lots of releases under your belts. For those listeners who are just discovering the band, can you tell us a little bit about you and your sound? Sure. We're a band from Edmonton. There is five of us and sometimes uh, six of us. And we play garage rock and psych that's sort of leaning more toward the bubblegum kind of mid-60s end of the spectrum. So what would you say are the band's main influences? Uh, Let's see. The Nuggets compilation, I think, is probably the biggest one for sure i I remember working at a record store when i was 17 or 18 and listening to that for the first time and just thinking like all right this is it like this is what music is to me it took all the sort of the best bits of 60s counterculture and like boiled it down yeah i would say that's definitely our biggest influence but probably like french pop stuff i like serge games quite a bit and Frances hardy i love so there's aspects of that in there too and the name Betrayers, where did that come from? <laughs> it doesn't really come from anything. When we formed, we wanted, I like a band name that sounds like a gang, you know? So I wanted something like kind of tough and dumb sounding. In retrospect, maybe it was a, a little bit too dumb, but it's too late to change it now, so we, we're just going to roll with it. You've released a couple of 7 Inches this year, including Love Rat earlier in the year, and then you just released a split with the band The Lad Mags. Can you tell us about your most recent song? Yeah, sure. It's called Tombstone Salesman. It's a split that we just put out with another Edmonton group called The Lad Mags, who are like a girl group, garage rock bands. We share custody of Joe, our drummer, with them. And they do like a question mark and the Mysterians fronted by the Shangri-Las, like kind of a sound, sort of a psychedelic soul sound. So yeah, they're really great. And we, we've done every tour that we've been on has been with them. We toured Europe with them in the springtime. So we thought we'd put something out to sort of commemorate our time spent with them.
you've done a number of seven inches or 45s. Is there something about that that attracts you? Or is it just that it's less expensive? What's the deal there? It's a bit of both. I mean, yeah, of course, putting out records, like you couldn't think of a better way to burn up your money. We have a punk pricing model. I mean, I don't want our records for a seven inch to sell for 10 bucks or something like that. So we try to keep it pretty cost effective. So, I mean, the idea is that we break even on it, but in the end, I think we probably end up losing a few bucks, which is fine. I like the model that bands would use in the 60s where they put out singles all year and then at the end of the year collect the A-sides and put put a few new tunes in there and that's your record. So that's kind of what we are planning to do and hopefully have the next have the next full length out in the springtime. So it'll probably have the A-sides that we put out over the year. It's now been, I guess, about a year and a half since you released Let the Good Times Die, which was your debut LP. So I was going to ask you when we could expect a new LP and if you've got stuff in something planned. We've got everything more or less ready to go. It's Now we're just waiting to find out about some grants to see whether we can record it. We're a band that sort of seems to operate in the black all the time, so there's never any money around for recording. Hopefully the Edmonton Arts Council will kick some dough our way and we can get started right away on recording it and have it ready for another tour in the springtime. That would be great. What's your typical writing and recording process beyond, you know, waiting around for grants? Usually I'll do some demos just in the apartment, like just a real bare bones kind of skeletal version of the songs and then send them to everyone and we learn them together at practice and then everyone kind of takes care of the arranging or we figure that out at practice just based on whatever scrappy track that I recorded in, in my apartment and then just build on it from there. And then when it's time to record, we do most of our recording at this place called Riverdale Recorders, which is in Chinatown here in Edmonton. It's this great sort of 70s looking studio in the, the basement of this Chinese laundry in Chinatown. But it's just a really cool studio. The guys that run it are great. Our friend Jesse does most of the engineering for us. So it's nice hanging out with him. It's like a really relaxed place and people can kind of wander in and out. And it feels like, I don't know, it just feels like home for us. I mean, I've recorded in lots of places and some places you feel like you can't set down your cup of coffee because you feel like it's in the wrong spot or whatever, whereas this place is, I mean, you can smoke grass in there if you want to or if you want to, like, go have something to eat. There's a kitchen there. It's just like a, I don't know. It feels really nice. It feels like a, like you're hanging out in your best friend's living room. You guys release most of your EPs and, and your LP independently, but the cassette was released on Shake Records? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Have you had any label interest, or are you interested in having label interest? Yeah, it would be nice. As it stands now, like, Shake helps us out with some of the distribution, and they're amazing. It's so nice to be part of that label. Like, I think all of the most interesting bands in Canada are doing tapes on that label. So, yeah, we'll... I mean, we'll partner up with those guys for as long as we can, but we're still doing all of our mail order ourselves, which is pretty tiresome. So to have a proper label that people could just go into the record stores and buy stuff would be great, rather than me having to send it out and wrap up everyone from the apartment. But I mean, I mean that's fine too. Like, as long as people are interested in it, we will keep doing it. And if someone wants to help us out with it, that's fine. But we're capable of doing it ourselves. So I mean, I'm happy to like keep sending stuff out. And I kind of like that personal touch too. Like you try to write a little note in everyone and make people feel like, like our band belongs to them. 
Like, there's no worse feeling than, than loving a band and all of a sudden they break and every lame knows about them. And you feel like you've kind of lost this thing that used to be yours. And I think the bands that I like the most do a really good job of making people feel like your band still belongs to them even after they become more popular. So there is something to, I mean, as time-consuming as it is to send out all the records from the apartment. It is kind of nice to see people's names pop up again and again on the order forms every time we put out something new, and like to kind of get to know these people through the mail and have a bunch of pen pals, I think, is pretty cool. Well, and people don't have to order records either. Like, all of our stuff is available online, like anything. I mean, you can listen to whatever you want to online. So if someone's going to spend five or ten bucks ordering some records, you want to make sure that they know that it's appreciated. Absolutely. As you mentioned, Betrayers is from Edmonton, as are the Lad Mags. There's a lot of bands that are out of Edmonton that have kind of a, a similar sound. Can you tell us a little bit about the scene in Edmonton, what it's like being part of that? Sure. It seems to come and go in waves. Like I'm not from here originally, but I've been here for a long time, and it seems like there are sort of hills and valleys where for years there won't be any interesting bands going and everyone seems to have given up and then there are times like right now where we're at a big crest and it seems like there are so many bands who are putting out records and going on tour and working hard and making cool music it's a nice time to be from Edmonton right now we're blessed with a, a lot of cool bands at the moment do, do you want me to like rattle off some of the bands that are that are good sure yeah that would be great yeah there's a band called faith healer who are who are amazing they they sound a bit like the velvet underground they do sort of nice, like, light, poppy stuff. Mint Records just put out their new album. They're worth checking out for sure. There's a band called uh, The Archaics, who should have a record coming out this spring as well. They remind me a bit of the, the Dead Boys, if the Dead Boys came 10 years earlier. Like, kind of really brash, wild, garagey stuff. And they're, they're a hard-working band, too. Like, they've been on tour since June, probably. It's now October, so they're working really hard. There's a band called Power Buddies that we play a lot of shows with, and they're an interesting band. They operate as a two-piece, and then they they have different people guest with them every time they play. So every time you see them, it's it's like a mixed bag. There's always different local musicians playing with them, and they're really good, kind of like King Con and barbecue-y, sort of scrappy garage rock stuff. They're, they're really fun. And another hard-working band, too. They're always on tour, it seems like. Three really great bands to check out, for sure. So you're in Edmonton, Canada, touring Canada. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, it's tough. I mean, everything is so far apart. Canada is amazing, and I've, I've toured it a few times. I've been lucky enough in the past to do it, but it is definitely grueling. I mean, every city seems to be at least eight hours away from the next one. So it's yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of driving and. It's hard to break even on those big drives, whereas touring Europe or touring the States, if you're only driving two hours a night, you don't really have to make a lot of money each night to fill up the gas tank, you know, if you just have a short drive the next day. So Canada can be tricky, but also I guess it's important to tour in your own country and to see your own country. I mean, I would recommend it, but it's also like it's a good way to go straight to the poorhouse, I guess. Have you done many tours in the U.S. or many cities in the U.S.? Not with this group with other groups in the past I have done but that was back when it was a lot easier to sneak in there you know you could just say that you're doing some recording over there or what was the other lie oh the uh at the Windsor Detroit border it's 
it's faster if you were driving from Windsor, Ontario to Winnipeg to cut through Detroit than it is to drive around the Great Lakes. So we would always just say, oh, you know, we're just dipping through and then, you know, play some shows in Detroit or play some shows, you know, through through the Midwest. But I think the border guards are pretty wise to that now. And I mean, they can just Google your name and obviously it's packed back to your band. So you have to be a little sneakier now. So with this group, I think we're just going to wait and do it properly and get the proper visas before we go to the States. But hopefully that'll happen sometime soon as well. Uh, record comes out, we're going to hopefully do a tour uh, down the West Coast. So we'll, have to, we'll worry about it then. You did a European tour in the spring with the Lad Mags. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was amazing. It spoiled us for touring ever again because we were so well taken care of over there. It's like it's a totally different beast touring Europe versus touring in Canada, where I feel like in Canada, promoters feel like they're doing you a favor by booking the shows, and they are, but it seems like versus Europe where you're doing them a favor by showing up and they really treat you like you are. Like, show up to a venue and have food waiting and beds and clean towels and a place to stay. I'm totally happy to sleep on your couch with your 10 cats. But it was really nice to, to go over there and, and be treated like that and, and meet so many awesome people who are, who are garage rock fans. That's great. You played in clubs mostly, or how, how were the shows? Yeah, they were good. They were really well attended. And I think people over there will come out for bands that are, aren't necessarily known but they'll think like, oh, these guys came all the way from Canada and they play, you know, psychedelic music or garage rock music. Let's go check it out. So there were shows there like where we were, you know, kind of waiting in the band apartment above the club for the show to start. And we'd come downstairs and the place would be totally full. We thought we'd be playing to the bar staff. And we'd get down there and like, you know, there was no room to walk even from the doors to the stage like it was packed. So we were pretty lucky. We we didn't really have any duds on that tour. The shows were all really good. And festivals too. You guys have been playing a few festivals, especially this past year. Yeah, there's a festival. Most of your listeners will probably know it called Sled Island that happens in Calgary. And for my money, I think it's the best Canadian music festival that there is. They bring in great bands from all over the world, and the organizers are people who play in bands themselves and total musos. So it's always really well curated, and I don't know. It's just a. It's just a terrific festival and good to be part of it. So we're lucky to play that this year. What's it like playing festivals compared to say a show in a in a bar? It's a little. It can be stressful, especially if, I mean, it always seems to be the one band that you want to see is playing at the exact same time as you. So this year, for us, it was television. I love television, and I've been a fan of theirs forever, and I never thought I would get to see them. And I got to see exactly one song before having to run out and go set up. Yeah, so it's always a bit of, like, Sophie's Choice kind of situation, like, which choosing the two bands you want to see are guaranteed to be playing at the same time as you or at the same time as each other and you always just have to pick but i mean that's fine i mean i got to see one television song so that's i'm satisfied that's pretty cool you and your bandmates are all record collectors so what have you been listening to lately or what great finds can you tell us about well in europe you get a lot of picture sleeve 45s that never made it over to North America, so we all loaded up our bags with those on tour. Going to those big outdoor markets they have in places like Paris and Berlin, and there's just tables upon tables. Like, you could spend all day digging through records over there. So we picked up a lot of good French beat music and 
French yeah, yeah music, stuff like Jacques Dutronc and Francois Hardy again and Serge Gainsbourg. We picked up a lot of that stuff. And then what else did I find? Like some T-Rex singles that I've never seen over here before. So that was cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place to go if you're a record collector, for sure. for sure. Are there any songs that you and the band would like to cover? One that we have been kind of chipping away at for a while now is there's a song by the Pastels called Nothing To Be Done. They were like a early 80s Glaswegian, I think they're from Glasgow, sort of Paisley underground band with male vocal or male-female uh, trade-offs on the singers, and we have a male and female singer, so it seemed like a good pick. Some more French stuff would be nice. I can speak a bit of French, so it would be nice to do some more singing in French. You sent along a few songs for us to play on the show. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about some of your selections, just a handful of what you picked. One of the songs I sent is it's probably one of my favorite songs ever. It's called When I See That Girl of Mine. It's a Kinks song. It's so good. I think the Kinks are probably the greatest rock and roll band ever to exist. And that song especially, it kind of it sums up everything that I like about 60s rock and roll music. It's dumb and clever at the same time, and it's, you know, under three minutes long, and it's just like a great little love song. If I were to show the Kinks to someone for the first time ever, I think that's probably the tune I would show them. by Paul Tardy in there called Boo de Lune, which is another one of my favorites. Just like a, a nice kind of nighttime romantic love song about being under the moon. There's a song by the Robs in there called Jolly Miller, which is sort of a green sleeves-esque garage rock kind of bubblegum bopper. 
Kicks by Paul Revere and the Raiders, which is another great one. Something that I remember listening to in the car with my parents as a kid. They're not super musical people, but we always seem to have AM radio going in the car or in the 80s, if you filled up your car at a shell station, you'd get these solid gold collection tapes. And there was, it was all kind of 50s and 60s music. So that was the only music that I was really exposed to as a kid. And I think that's the reason that I love it now. But yeah, that Paul Revere and the Raiders song, I didn't understand what it was about as a kid, but I always sort of thought it was spooky and a, and a good tune, and I love it still to this day. There's a song by Ronnie Love on there called Detroit, Michigan, which is like a great soul bumper, just talking about all the great advantages of living in Detroit, I guess, in the 1960s. But it's got like a real bass player's bass line running through it, just like a single note kind of hand clap. It's got that almost like a spirit in the sky kind of head bopper vibe to it. And that's something that we try to do in our music all the time. If, something, if we're recording something and it isn't working out, kind of right you think of like all right can someone like clap along to this and bop their head to this all the way through without any breaks and i think that song by ronnie love is a good example of that Yeah. 
also sent a song that you just recorded? Yeah, there's a new label coming out of Edmonton called Sweetie Pie Records. 
this Power Buddies guys that I was talking about earlier, they're part of it. There's a band called Gender Poutine who are putting out records on there. A woman called Marlena Moore who used to play in a, in a band called The Switches from here and she's doing some solo stuff on there. But they asked to be part of a compilation that they're putting out and we wanted to give them something new for it. So last night we finished recording this new tune called I Taught Your Baby How to Rock and Roll. It's like our homage to T-Rex, I guess, and that kind of glitter sound. T-Rex and maybe like a bit of Donovan or something in there. It's got that kind of Chuck Berry early rock and roll kind of guitar line going through there. I like that. I like being a band that can sort of borrow ideas from anything. of your cover art is kind of photographic but then there's other elements to it even if it's just taking on interesting colors or you seem to have an aesthetic what can you tell us about it well i like i like the idea of someone someday finding our records at a goodwill and not really knowing what when they were made or what era that it comes from like in the in the way that you can watch let's say, Pulp Fiction, and you don't really know, like, does this take place in the 1970s or the 90s? Like, it's sort of an indeterminate era. And I think that our our music kind of fits that same formula, so why not have a record cover that sort of looks like it was it was made maybe in the 60s or maybe in 2015? I like that idea. Do you have someone who does your art, or do you guys do it, or how, how does that work for you? Or you just see an image and you're like, this is it. Yeah, it's a bit of both. I mean, we try to be as self 
efficient as possible. So like a lot of our t-shirt designs and album artwork and stuff, we'll just do ourselves, talk about it after band practice and then hammer something out. But sometimes we'll have other people to do it. Our friend Nick did the cover for a full length with a picture that he got out of a, an old Life magazine from the 60s. It was like up-and-coming models of the 1960s, and he, he stole that image from there. So hopefully they don't ever track us down and sue us for using it. There is there's a guy from Turkey called Emre Karatoprak who does great collage work, and he did the cover for the Love Rat single. It's just someone who's stuff I admired and reached out to him and he was into doing it. He likes psychedelic music so it was it was cool working with him on that. And then for the most recent single, uh, we just did it all ourselves, both with our side and the Lad Mag side. You guys have all sorts of merch like t-shirts and pins and are you guys responsible for most of that as well? Yeah, we do all the artwork for it and we don't have a button press but we did figure out how to build our own silk screening rig to make t-shirts, which I would encourage any band listening to this to build their own too. It costs us probably 50 bucks to make. And now we can just make shirts whenever we want, sit around all night making t-shirts. It was just getting to be too expensive to pay someone else to do it. And we thought like, we're smart people. We can surely there's a way to figure out how to do this ourselves. And so now instead of paying someone $13 to make a shirt that we're going to sell for 15 and make two bucks on it, we can make a shirt for like five or six bucks and then sell them for cheaper and it's just nice being self-sufficient, I guess, not having a count on anyone else to, to help you when it comes to stuff like that. If anyone listening to this wants like a tutorial on how to build your own silk screening rig, just send us an email and we'll send you all the photos from when we built it. Cool. That would be fantastic. One thing that I've read is that you guys kind of started out not really playing your instruments all that well, just kind of like oh, we're going to do this. What advice would you give to someone who is listening and going, I really like this sound and I really want to play? Just do it, especially playing garage rock. Like it isn't rocket science. You could learn four chords and probably have like a pretty great garage rock band. Most of us are not people who went to music school or took lessons or anything like that. We kind of just bought shitty guitars from a pawn shop and figured it out from there. I mean, we're not virtuosos by any stretch of the imagination, but it is possible to do everything yourself without any outside help and still have like a functioning band that makes records and sounds all right. So yeah, I don't know. I would encourage anyone who is a fan of music and wants to take part to just take part and do it. And I think most people do. Most people who are true fans of music find a way in there, whether it's starting a band or starting a zine or starting a podcast or going to shows and taking photos or making videos or putting on shows, just participating in some way. And I mean, that's something that I respect about punk rock and garage rock is that it's kind of, there's no rules to it, which means that everyone, everyone who wants to can participate in some way. Before we go, can you let people know how they can connect with you guys online, where they can find your music and just get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. You can find all of our stuff we that we've released, we put up online for free. You can listen to it at thebetrayers.bandcamp.com. We are on Facebook. You can find us there. We have a Twitter account that gets updated maybe once every six months. So uh, if you want some bad updates, you can find us there. The only real social media platform that I enjoy using is Instagram. So you can find us on there if you want weird pictures of... Uh, the Halloween masks I keep around the apartment. 
uh, or you can uh, email us at betrayersband at gmail.com. I always like hearing from people or, you know, if, if people want some tracks but they can't afford to pay for them, just email me and I'll send them to you. Like, I think that music should be free, so... Travis, it's been really amazing having you as a guest on Red Moon Radio. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for getting in touch. It's uh, it's really nice. And I've been enjoying the show so far, so I'm excited to be a part of it so early on. Continued success with the new 7-inch and also with the new album. Hopefully, we can have you back on the show when that gets released. I'd love to have you on again. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, we would love to come back on again. Hopefully, I'll, I'll bring some other people the next time. Thanks so much, Travis. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. So it was really great to have Travis join us for today's episode. As we discussed in the interview, Betrayers have released a number of 7-inch records in the last few years. Here's the A-side Treat Me Mean, as well as this year's earlier release, Love Rat, with its B-side Smear on the Cross. Treat me bad, treat me cruel I'll tell you things to me you always wanted to do Cause I like it
show tonight, a couple more tracks from Betrayer's debut album to whet your appetite for something new from them soon. From Let the Good Times Die, here's Born to Cry and the closing song, Too Much Fun.
I had too much fun this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Thanks again to Travis of Betrayers, and to you for listening. Tune in again next week for Red Moon Radio's interview with another up-and-coming Canadian band, The Tailbreakers. <laughs>